God can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Let your neighbor know how much you love them. I want to show you a video today of, of uh, goes coincides with our message. Uh, Jeff, you want to play that for us? The Lord sent his great messenger Elijah to anoint a prophet to follow him. God chose someone ordinary. Elijah found Elisha, a nobody, plowing his father's field. And what was Elisha's response? He burned his plow and left everything he knew to answer God's call. Elisha, a tale of ridiculous faith. So we're going to be, over the next few weeks, studying about Elisha. Sha. Elisha, not Elijah. They get confused. People do. Give you a little bit of background as we get into this. Uh, if you're in your Bibles, if you turn to First Kings, chapter 19, First Kings, chapter 19. Some people get, as I said, Elisha confused with Elijah. Elijah was one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. He was very bold, uh, very full of faith. Elisha wanted to be like Elijah. And he was just ridiculous enough in his faith to ask for a double portion blessing from Elijah. In Scripture, Elisha's recorded miracles are only second to Jesus himself. Elisha did a lot of things for God. But what I love about this story of Elisha, and I hope that you heard it in the video, but you also will capture it in Scripture, is that Elisha was a very ordinary person. Nothing... He he didn't grow up in a home where it bred prophets and preachers. In fact, I know a lot of preachers today who didn't grow up in homes that would quote-unquote breed a preacher. Most of us signed on to be preachers because of the great sin in our life. And we needed extra forgiveness. And so God said, if you'll preach, I'll give you a little bit extra forgiveness. Not true. The cross is completely adequate to cover all my sin as well as yours and anybody else's. And you can say amen if you'd like. Okay. Elisha was working on his parents' farm when God called him to do something amazing. He lived during the 9th century B.C. in a time when Israel was divided with great tension among the division. It's kind of like churches that divide there's a lot of tension between churches that divide. You ever been a part of one of those? Boy, they're no fun. They are no fun at all. The first church I took out of college was a little church in southern Oklahoma. 
And um, the church had split just before they hired this guy right out of college to come in. And uh, I got out of college thinking, man, I'm, I'm going to be just like Billy Graham. There's going to be hundreds come to Christ and thousands baptized. And I walked into this church that had just split. And uh, they were averaging 35 when I got there. <laughs> and I got up to preach, and it was, it was fun. Church began to grow. And then one Sunday I was preaching out of the book of James, and I got to the third chapter where it said, The tongue is set on fire by hell itself. And we shouldn't allow our mouths to get us in trouble. So people on this side of the church were pointing at people on that side of the church, and people on that side were pointing back at them like this. And I was in the middle preaching. And I thought, I really made a mistake, didn't I, when I came here. God taught me a lot while I was there. And not to worry about what my dreams were, but just to be what God wanted me to be. If I could just be what God wanted me to be, I'd be the man that God wanted me to be. And so it took me a long time to get that. But Elisha, he was living in a time when Baal worship was huge. People were not necessarily coming to a relationship with God, but God chose to use this ordinary guy in an extraordinary way. So 1 Kings chapter 9 verses 19 through 21 is kind of where we're going to be today. Verse 19 says, So Elijah, this is the older one, Elijah went from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat. He was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. So you got twelve pair in front of you, and he's driving the, the last batch. Let's keep going. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elijah then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back and took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plow and the equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate it, and then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. So when you look at verse 19 again, in the middle of the verse, it tells us what he was doing. He was plowing 12 yoke of oxen, and he was driving the 12th pair. So what I want you to understand about that passage is this. He was doing the same job he had been doing for a long time. He was going about life and doing what he did every day till he received the call of God. Now, if you can't visualize what he was doing every day, I've got a slide for you. That was his view every day. <laughs> Except he had a second one beside him. So he had, and then he had two more in front of that one. But that was his view. Every day. Of course he set up on a John Deere tractor, right? Well he, the old, the old plow that you use with the oxen in front of it. Man, I bet he could pick up some speed though with 12 of them, don't you think? He could move some dirt. But that was his view. Day in and day out. Most of his life. I don't blame him for burning the plow and all the, all the oxen. If that's all he got. But you might consider the fact of how monotonous his job was. You might be considering the monotony of your job. 
Day in and day out you show up and are counted. Day in and day out you, you're there to be what you need to be. Do what you need to do. And nobody appreciates you. Nobody pats you on the back and says, what a great job you're doing. We all need that sometimes, don't we? Of course, the best, the best pat on the back you can ever give is a paycheck. <laughs> Amen. You know, if they don't pay you and still don't tell you you're doing a good job, hey, <laughs> you might want to consider burning the ox, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or listen for the call of God. You may be having little kids and you're stuck with diaper duty. Nothing worse than poopy britches. Mm. Especially after they've eaten certain foods. And the color. I never thought in my life I would see what I saw changing diapers. I'm just going to move on past that statement. You may be stuck doing laundry and dishes day in, day out. You may be looking at the same husband and wife you have for a long time. Don't say you've been looking at that picture. Don't say you've been looking at that picture. In fact, don't say nothing. (laughs) But that's where Elijah, Elisha was. He was just in this routine Day in, day out, nothing's changing. And in the middle of these faithful, his faithful duty and his routine, God sends something new. Look at verse 19. At the end of that verse, Elisha, Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Now what does that mean? Well, the cloak would have been some kind of a coat made of animal skin or fur, and it was Elijah's covering. And so Elijah did something that was amazingly basic, but also symbolic, in that he took his covering and put it upon Elisha. Passing the mantle, so to speak. Bryant is going to go through that now with our coaching situation at Jinx because because Trimble retired and uh, and need to I mean there's that ALS is starting to get him you can see it if you haven't seen him in a long time it'll really surprise you shock you some of us that have watched him but it's there it's there but our coaches are going to go through a transition with a new head coach you don't know what you, who you're going to get you don't know what you're going to get you don't know if you're going to get a real coach or a fake coach. So there, there, you know, there's some concern there, obviously. So Elijah passes the mantle to Elisha. And I want to real quickly give you two principles that help us develop ridiculous commitment. Just like Elisha, you and I need to develop these principles in our life. Number one, if you're taking notes there in your outline, you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. When God calls you to do something, you don't have to understand all the details. Not immediately. You don't need to know all the details. When God called, called me to preach, I was 16 years old. <clears throat> Preacher asked me, he said, uh, what are you going to do with your life? I said, I'm flip football. What do you mean what am I going to do with my life? I said, I'll go to college, I guess. 
I may just skip college and go to the pros. I don't know. That's just what I'm going to do. I'm 16, right? Best football player that's ever come through the pike down in the state of Texas. I mean, after all. Just look at me. I mean, hey, I'm a human specimen of athleticism. And none of us changed. You know what I'm saying? None of us changed. <laughs> About as bad today as I ever was then. But look at verse 20. First, Elijah puts the cloak around him. And then what does he do? The Bible says that he left his oxen and did what? He ran after Elisha. After he got his stuff done at home, he ran after Elisha. Burned it. Didn't look back. Took off. But he said, let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, and then I'll come with you. He didn't have to pray about it. Now, I'm not saying prayer is wrong. You, you, we need to be people of prayer. But he didn't have to say, well, you know, I need to pray about it. Just wait for God to move on me. Well, you know, I need to pay off this bill, or I need to pay off that bill. Or, hey, you know, I just... He didn't mess with pros and cons. He said, I believe what God is saying to me and I hear the call of God in my heart and I'm I'm gone. One of the things I've noticed about Coach Trimble over the last year, two years, is that his desire to impact people spiritually has increased in Unsurmountably, I can't believe how much that's in his heart and comes out so much more because he realizes his time is limited. His abilities are limited. His mind never leaves. That's the problem with ALS is your mind stays intact and you can still think. And he's got a great memory. Ask him. I can ask him about a song, title, but he can give it to me. Who sang it and when they sang it. But pretty soon you won't even be able to tell us about it. I remember watching Jim, Jim Blair just waste away. Got to the point where he couldn't speak. Almost a blessing when they pass. But you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. And I, instead of planning for the future, sometimes we just need to be still and let God talk to us. I was taught in ministry that you need to have three to five year plans and you know always be ready to go with this this ongoing what's in the future. And while that's you know I can see that that's an important aspect of it. I also need to understand that just because I plan it doesn't mean God's going to do it. So maybe it would be better if I prayed and waited for God to touch the water and make the ripple. See, I don't create the wave God does, and I've got to be smart enough to know when God creates the wave and jump on the wave and ride. Amen? But we've got to understand that we've got to be ready. And the best way to be ready is through prayer. It's be seeking God and what He needs us to do and what He wants us to do, where He wants us to go. Here's how God leads you. He very rarely gives you details. You notice that? God will strategically give you a call in your heart, a, a real burden in your heart, but then He doesn't give you the details on how to fulfill it. He's like that. He just says, go. Maybe that's what He said to Moses, go. 
Moses said, where am I going? I'll tell you. How long will I get there? You will. Can you imagine Mrs. Moses? Or Abraham? And Mrs. Abraham? Uh-huh. Most women are planners. I got to know, I got to know, I got to know. Give me the list. Here it is. I've dated it. I've timed it. Here we go. The next ten minutes you're going to do this. The next five hours you're going to do this. The next day you're going to do this. Can you imagine? Where are we going? He didn't tell me. I don't know. He didn't say. How are we going to get there? Don't know that either. Where are we going? Packing the school. Okay. All right. You're, all your wives would say, Absolutely. You're the man of the house. You're the, you are the spiritual leader of this home. Well, if you say, Let's go, and we don't know where, let's go. I look at these women. I know it. Ungodly women in this room. Praise God, boy. Careful, careful. Some people say, well, you know what? I'm tired of this marriage, so I'm leaving. God told me to leave. I read an article the other day that just blew my mind. This, this couple, they're, they're pastors. He and her both are pastors. And their ministry is swapping partners for sexual excitement. That's what they do in the church they established. I don't know what you call that kind of a church. But can you imagine the damage that's being done? Or maybe you're, you need to stay put where you are, keep working the job you're working, but you're tired of it, so you're just going to pack up and go. Maybe you've got some kids that you're ready to pitch up. Every parent has had that same feeling. Every parent has wanted to choke and kill. I mean, you know, who, who is it that eats their firstborn? I mean, that's, that's what people want to do. You might as well find a kid and eat him because that's about the only good you're going to get out of. And then they become adults and, you know, you see some production and you go, oh, well, maybe I was a little hasty. And then they produce grandchildren. <laughs> Best part. Hallelujah. Because they usually marry well. Hallelujah. My three sons have married well. Hallelujah. I thank the dads of each of those daughter-in-laws for raising godly women like they have. I have. I've said thank you very much for doing that. Not not all of them have said, well, thank you for raising your son. It was a godly, godly man either. <laughs> I tell them, I point them to Cindy. Cindy does all that part. I do. They're bad. When they're bad, they're mine. When they're great, and good to hers. Oh, yeah, now I get an amen. Okay, there we go. Let's go on to number two. Those God uses the most are the ones that hold on to the least. Boy, there's a powerful principle. Somebody suggested, my five-foot wife suggested very much last week that I clean up my office. I said, honey, there's a path to my chair and my computer. What else do you need? She said, clean up this office. So I was going to hire Kathy Hearn to do it. And I guarantee it would be clean. Guarantee it. So I decided this week that I would get in there and do that because I just stuff I need to throw away. 
I had no idea the stuff I needed to throw away. Every, I got on my little cart and I rode out. It was, it was really a good video moment to watch me get all the stuff out to the dumpster while I'm on this thing. Because the doctor said, don't walk in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've heard it. <coughs> With every load, I thought, why did I have this? Why did I keep this? This. And man, it's just so much nicer. I can actually ride into my office without running into something and come back out of my office without running into anything. I've already run into the wall, so I mean, I've got that calculated. But there was stuff in there I kept hitting boxes, I kept hitting it. Get rid of it. God uses the most, the ones that use the most are the ones that hold on to the least. Verse 21, So Elijah left him and went back, and he took his yoke of oxen, took his very livelihood, and he kills them. And then uses the meat to feed everybody. And once he's done, I'm out of here. So here's your good tweet. If you're a Twitter person, here's a good tweet. I kill the cows and burn the plows. Isn't that a great one? See, there's no plan B with God. He's got a plan A. You obey or you don't. The problem we have today are people who come to church every Sunday and believe that that's all they have to do. I don't need anything else. I've been through the water. I'm sitting in church. I'm listening to that guy preach. I'm throwing a few dollars in the plate. That's it. I don't need anything else. One thing that we don't do enough and be obedient. Because see, we develop our own plan and it may not be God's plan. It's been said, if you want to see God laugh or hear God laugh, just tell Him what your plans are for your life. <laughs> Scripture says, it's just crazy to burn the plows and kill the cows. But the Bible says, the disciples left everything. What are you willing to leave? What are you willing to keep hanging on to that you need to get rid of? When you know God's calling you, when you know God is pushing your heart, pressing your life, encouraging you to move, prompting you to move, what are you hanging on to that won't let you do that? I don't know what it would be in your life, but it if there is anything keeping you from serving God, burn that plow. Burn it. Quit holding back. Well, you know, you know, preacher, I, I would really like to go down to John three sixteen, but I just can't get off work in time. I just, but if there's a concert in town, and I think George Strait is coming up, and all the women are in awe that George Strait is going to come because they got to go stare at his Levi's, a Wrangler. Excuse me. I've lost my place now. Glory to God. <laughs> but you know, if something important to that person was coming up, whatever it might be, I guarantee you they'd find a way to be there. Don't you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I get, 
Well, I, you know, Thursday, I, yeah, I'd like to go pack those bags, but you know, I, something I've never done, I don't think. Hey, come go with us and try it. Sure, we had fun, didn't we? Sure, you've done it. We had fun. It's great. At first, you're going, because <laughs> you know, it's like this competition that they've got to get all these bags done. But once you get a rhythm going, it's just a lot of fun to watch and be a part of. And then they count them up at the end, and oh man, there's celebration and all that. And Jinx always beats Union. <laughs> glory to God. Because we're giving God glory all the time now, you know. But it's a great, great way to do that. And serving the folks downtown. Man, it'll break your heart. Bring their children through. And these are people living on the streets. In Tulsa. But let's spend thousands of dollars and go to South Africa. I, mean, I got it. I understand. But man, how about going downtown where they're really at? Every day. We could be helping. Never forget, here's a powerful statement, to step towards your destiny, you have to step away from your security. To step towards your destiny, you have to step away from your security. If you think money's going to get you there, you're... <laughs> if you think having this big old house to live in is going to get you there, all these cars you might drive to get you there. All the stuff you put together to get you there. Isn't it interesting that when you're young, you accumulate all this stuff you, you can't afford, and when you're older, you get rid of it? Same stuff! I love it when people tell me, boy, I'm going to be active in church, preacher, but I'm getting a boat. What's that tell me? Got to use it sometime. Guess when they're going to use it? Saturday and Sunday. Every time. Every time. God's going to speak to you. And when He speaks, are you going to have the ears to listen? Are you going to have the heart open to receive? Because God's going to prompt you. He is going to do it. Are you spiritually attuned enough to even hear it? Pray with me, would you? Father, we pray that you would build faith in this church. That you'd build faith in each of us who are part of this church. And God... As a church and as individuals, could we recognize it's impossible to please you without faith. We want to follow you and we want to do what you're leading us to do. And Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would do a work in each of us. Most everybody in this room this morning have named you and claimed you as their Savior. But are they still listening to you? God, I'm, I'm just praying that we'll be surrounded by world-changing faith. And God, when we obey in faith, and we don't have to fully understand what you want us to do, but we just need to obey in faith and be, begin to respond to the promptings that you give us. It may just be as simple as making a phone call, sending a text message, or an email to encourage somebody. It may be that simple. It may be bigger than that. It may be that we need to look at the resources we have and how can we better use these resources for the kingdom. Perhaps there's just one here today though, Lord, that doesn't know you're their Savior who would say, you know, today's the day, preacher. I'm, I'm going to put it behind me. I'm ready to put my feet down and follow the cross. Maybe there's others who've been there and have followed you but have for some reason lost focus 
Would you bring them back? God, whatever there is today in, in the way of a need in somebody's life, would you tug at them and would they respond? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Great song. Let's stand just as I am. That's how God wants us. If you have a decision, would you?